It's good to see y'all this morning. And we are going through our Sunday school lessons. And today we're in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. So if you will, turn to John chapter 3. And you know there's a story there. And the Bible tells us that these things that are written in the Gospel of John are written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing in Him, we may have life through His name. So the Gospel of John is like God's little heaven track. If you want to know how to get to heaven, how to be saved, this is the book. And believe it or not, years ago, over 54 and a half years ago, my father-in-law handed me a Bible and told me to read the Gospel of John. Well, I didn't know there were books in the Bible. I didn't know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. And so he set me down here on the couch with the Bible, and I read the first three chapters. I don't think I ever finished the third chapter. I think I might have gotten as far as John 3.16, but I can't swear to it. But I didn't understand it. So I stood up and I took his Bible and I threw it on the couch. I was so disrespectful. As I look back upon it, I can't believe I was the way that was. I was a smart aleck, know-it-all teenager. You ever met anybody like that? I know that you wouldn't be like that, but I was. And he led me to the Lord that night and... Uh, Read to me and explained to me John 3, 16. So it is a good book. Now, when I win people to the Lord, and I want to give them a book for them to read, I always suggest the book of John. I say, go through the book of John and just see how many times you see the word believe, or just by faith, or just believing. And just write it down, or mark it in your Bible. And then when you get through... Go back and do it again. The Gospel of John is a tremendous book on securing in a person's mind this thing about eternal life. Now, when John wrote the Gospel of John, he always referred to Nicodemus as the man that came to him by night. The one that came to him by night. Three times it makes the one that came to him by night. So we want you to know that Nicodemus that we're studying about is the one that came by night. There were people that Jesus would talk to, and here's a man who comes at night. High, influential guy, a Pharisee, ruler of the Jews. Then you had, in chapter 4, a woman, he talked to her at the well in the middle of the day. Notice any difference? We should remember that they're good examples in the scripture. It's okay for a man to talk to a man at night, but it may not be best to talk to a woman at night alone. So he talked to her in the middle of the daytime, and lo and behold, he says, you know, you've been married five times, and the one you're living with isn't you're not married to. Jesus knew everything. So here in the Gospel of John, I want you to see there in verse... One, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he was a Pharisee, he was a ruler. The same came to Jesus by night. 
and said unto him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do those miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Now, this is what he thought. He was given to Jesus a nice compliment. That's wonderful. Uh, was Jesus impressed? Not much. Jesus was not impressed. He just starts right off the bat, and he says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Do you know where you're going when you die? Oh, that's the way we always started off. But it's the same thing. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Man, you talk about, where's this niceties? You know, hello, I'm glad to meet you, and blah, 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 and how's your wife, and how's your kids, and how's bliss, and how's that? He didn't do nothing. Boom, right between the eyes. Uh, this was Jesus' son. How to win people to the Lord. Now, this story about Nicodemus is written because over there in chapter 20 and 21, it talks about that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. So if you want to explain the gospel to somebody, the gospel of John is very good. But now, I want you to notice something. He talks to this religious man, and he came to him by night. Now, we can try to figure out why did he come at nighttime. Well, he might not have wanted anybody to know that he came to see Jesus. He might have been afraid. He may not have wanted to be put out of the Sanhedrin or the, uh, you know, he didn't want to be put out. Uh, maybe he was ashamed. Whatever the reason was, we can just read into it because it really doesn't say. Now, there's a few other things it does say, and we'll take a look at that. So hold your place right here and look there in the book of John in chapter 7. The Gospel of John, chapter 7. Now, the Bible says that Jesus, in talking to people, uh, they didn't really like what he had to say. He caused a little conflict wherever he went. It was either a revival or a revolt. And many people revolted at what he said. Now, if you just look there, first of all, in verse 37, where he made the statement, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood in Christ, and if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. And that's mentioned up there in verse 39. So then he goes through in verse 40. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is a prophet. Others says, This is the Christ. But some says, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture says that Christ cometh of the seed of David out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was, where Jesus was born in Bethlehem? But he had gone back now to Galilee. So they were still thinking he's coming out of Bethlehem. Well, he did come from Bethlehem. But he went down into Egypt because they were trying to kill him. And so after a few years when King Herod was dead, then he goes back up into Galilee. And the Bible says in the book of Matthew, in chapter 3, that he would be called a Nazarene. So, some people just don't get all of their pieces of the puzzle together. So, look at in verse 43. So, there was a division among the people because of him. You think, well, Jesus came to cause peace upon the earth. Well, there will be peace if everybody believed him. But people won't believe him. I uh, asked the person uh, this on the radio broadcast the other day. I says, 
If the goal of the religion of Islam is to conquer the world, let's pretend you conquered the world, and every nation was the religion of Islam, would there be peace on the earth? Look at the Muslim nations today. Are they fighting each other? They kill each other. So if the whole nation, the whole world, was one Islamic force, would you have peace? Would you have love? Would you have joy and happiness? Would you have freedom? What would you have? So what's the advantage of trying to make all the nations an Islamic nation? Just think. They're already got Islamic nations that are totally of the religion of Islam. Are they happy? Are they peaceful? Are they loving? Are they kind? And what do they have to offer the rest of the world? Nothing. Because it is of the flesh. The flesh never satisfies anything. And so therefore it's not an answer. Because in the religion of Islam, it does not give you a new birth. It doesn't do anything for you. You can say it's a religion. It is a form, an ideology that combines what you believe and how you live and it's totally separate from anything we would believe about Christianity. So look what it says in verse 44. Some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Uh, then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Nobody's ever spoke like this man before. Jesus was a man, perfect man. But he was also perfect God. He knew everything, could do anything. <laughs> and he said, nobody's ever talked like this guy before. So in the next verse 47, Then answered them the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Now, they didn't know about Nicodemus. Have any of the Pharisees or the rulers believed? Why should you believe on them? We don't. Well, look at the next verse. Have any of the rulers, in verse 49, but this people who knoweth not the law are cursed? They know the law, so they're blessed. Verse 50, Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? He already knew. He'd already went to see Jesus by night. So now he's talking to them. But notice what they said back to him. They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went into his own house. Now look there in chapter 19 of the Gospel of John. So Nicodemus did speak up. Now, Jesus has died been crucified, come back from the dead, but not yet. While he was being prepared to be buried, this is what he said. Look in verse 38 of John chapter 19, verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. So, there were people who believed on the Lord, but they were afraid. 
but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. So you'll know this is the one. Did Nicodemus ever get a clear presentation of the gospel? Yes. You read John chapter 3 and you'll hear what Nicodemus heard. So here's Nicodemus as he goes through the ministry with Christ. And he stood up for him. And now he's got about 100 pounds of <laughs> spice and ointments and stuff. They wrap the body and then they put all this stuff on him and so forth. Look what he says here in verse 39. There came also Nicodemus, which by, at the first came to Jesus by night, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloth, clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And so this is what they did with the body. So Nicodemus was right there. Now it doesn't mean that everybody knew what was going on. Look there in chapter 16. In the book of John chapter 16. And just notice there in verse 1 and 2. Because it tells you a little bit about uh, there was a warning of what might happen to those that were in the synagogues. That were even Pharisees and so forth. Look in verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. I would think, well, now, why don't you just keep them from killing me? But some people are going to die for what they believe. And in killing you, they think they're doing God a service. Are there people in the world today under the name of Allah? Believe that they are doing God, Allah, a service by killing those infidels in the name of their religion and they believe they're doing good but they're not honoring God also I want you to see this look in John chapter 12 John chapter 12 there's an interesting little statement here look there in verse 41 John chapter 12 verse 41 says these things saith Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him now, he's talking about Isaiah in the Old Testament, living over 700 years before Christ came. Talks about Isaiah, spake of him, saw his glory in the Old Testament, talking about Jesus. Then he says in verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For, in verse 43, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Saved, but afraid. Saved, but they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Do you have to love God to go to heaven? No. I'm going to heaven because he loved me. He loved me and gave me eternal life. So in your Christian life, you may know Christ as your Savior, but is it possible that you don't give out a tract because you might be afraid? You don't witness to somebody because 
you're afraid. Fear can keep us from doing things. Well, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to do. Now is not the right time. I don't want to offend them. Whatever the reason we may use, but sometimes it's just plain we're chicken, as they used to say. We're cowards. We're afraid. But whatever the reason. But sometimes you do have to be tactful in what you do. So I'm glad this verse is in the Bible. Now, some people say, well, now they weren't really saved. No, no, it says they believed. They did believe. And so if they believed, also many believed on him. This whole book was written to convince us to believe on Christ. Now, there's a lot of things that we ought to do because we believe on Christ and we're his children, but we don't do it to be saved. Once he gives you eternal life, how long would you have eternal life? Forever. How many times can God give you the free gift of eternal life? How many times? Only one time. So go back now to the book of John in chapter 3. So now you know who Nicodemus is, a ruler of the Jews. And there were those that were the chief priests and officers and so forth that believed on him, but they were afraid because of the Pharisees. Uh, they didn't confess Christ. You notice up there in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right, now, there is, a, especially in the book of Matthew, you'll find this phrase mentioned, the kingdom of heaven, many times in the book of Matthew, because he's talking about the king from heaven setting up a kingdom. So in the book of Matthew, Jesus Christ comes as the king and he was born king of the Jews. And then he picks his 12, those that are going to be on and serve on his cabinet. He gives us his constitution, which is in chapter 5 and so on, telling us how he's going to rule and reign in the kingdom. And so you have all of this in that book, but it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is the spiritual realm of God that you can't see. From the beginning to the end, there's the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual world that you can't see. So he says you can't see or enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So you have to be born again spiritually into God's family. So once you trust Christ as Savior, you are born into his family. There's a spiritual birth, but you don't see the spiritual birth. He said the spiritual birth is not meat and drink, but joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And it's a totally different thing. It's just like here's Florida. We all live in Florida, but we don't all live in Miami. So I can live in Florida and not be in Miami. But if I lived in Miami, I do live in Florida. Right? So the kingdom of God is Florida and kingdom of heaven is Miami. So the kingdom of heaven is within the boundaries of the kingdom of God. So he says you can't get into this kingdom of God unless you're born again. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So now he says you cannot see the kingdom, enter the kingdom, unless you've been born again. So it's a different one altogether. The kingdom upon the earth, there will be lost people here. Here he's talking about you have to be saved. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior 54 years ago, I was placed into the kingdom of God. 
Now, because I am in a spiritual realm, in the sense that my new birth is spiritual, can you see my new birth? I can see your first birth, but I can't see your second birth. I'm assuming you have one. I just can't see it. And the only way I know that you have one is because you told me so. So I can't prove that you have one because a lost man can come to church just like you did. A lost man can read a Bible just like you did. And a lost man can pray just like you did. So see, there's no way for you to prove to me that you're in the kingdom of God. Except by what are you trusting in to get you to heaven? And that's the only thing I can go by. I can't go by the way you live. Because how you live, a lost man can do the same thing. What can you do as far as you, how you live that a lost man can't do? Well, you say, I can drive a car. Well, they can too. I can eat food. Well, they can too. What can you do that that lost man can't do? He can do the same thing. That's why you can't judge that way. So people are always trying to say, well, I know they're saved. I know they're, they give you the shirt off their back. Well, there's a lot of people who do that too. I mean, my dear old Aunt Susie, there's no, oh, yeah, but dear old Aunt Caesar, if she doesn't trust Christ as Savior, she doesn't get to go to heaven either. So go back here to book of John in chapter 3. In verse 4, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? He really didn't get it. Jesus said, You've got to be born again. Well, wait a minute. You realize where I came from the first time? You mean I've got to do that again? No, you could be born of a woman a thousand times, and it doesn't improve you one iota. But if you're born of God, that's a new birth. That birth is born without a sinful nature. If you're born of your parents down here a thousand times, you're going to, every time you're going to still be born with a sinful nature. No change. You're still the same. You got a sinful nature, you're going to sin, you're going to die. That's why he says you must be born of God. So that's why this is so important. In verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, the man's already born, so we're not talking about a water birth. The first birth is always pictured in the Scripture here as a flesh birth, not a water birth. And some people want to say, well, see, that means you've got to be water baptized. You've got to be baptized in water and believe. So you've got to not only believe on Christ, but you've got to be baptized in water. Or let's say, for example, I'm a, I'm a lost man, and um, I believe on Christ, but I have to be water baptized. Well, let's just pretend um, Keaton here. Keaton is the only one that's around, and I can't get baptized unless Keaton baptizes me. So Keaton says, I'll do it. So he baptizes me. I come up out of the water. Now I'm saved. Do I owe it all to Jesus, or don't I owe a little bit to him? Because without him, I couldn't have got baptized. And if I didn't get baptized, I couldn't have got saved. So I owe my salvation to Keaton. Does that make sense, that you owe some person for your salvation? We are to trust Christ and him alone. Because if you had to be baptized to be saved... You couldn't be saved unless the preacher baptizes you. So you owe me. I saved you. I could have said, no, I'm not going to baptize you. Now what are you going to do? See what I'm saying? That's so ridiculous. No. The first birth is flesh. The second one, spirit. You say, how do you know that? I'm glad you asked. See what he says there 
in verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is water. Flesh. That which is born of the spirit. Spirit. Two births. My first birth was a flesh birth. My second birth, spirit birth. And the word water is simply referring to the word of God. When you believe the word, then you are saved. By the washing of the water, by the word. You are born again by the word of God. Now hold your place right here. Look there in 1 Peter chapter, oh, what's a good chapter? Look in chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Are you there yet? See there in verse 23? In verse 23, 1 Peter chapter 1, page 13, 12, in a church Bible, being born again by water baptism, didn't John say you had to be baptized? No, he said you had to be born, born again. And so here he says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the, what's those words? Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And you will not find anywhere in here about being water baptized. Not there. Did the thief on the cross have to be water baptized? He's up there nailed to the cross. Jesus had already told him, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He was going to be with the Lord in paradise. And there wasn't anything he could do to change it, alter it. He didn't have to go to church, did he? He didn't promise he was going to be good. He didn't have to promise he wasn't going to be bad. He didn't have to promise to stop or stop anything, join anything. He's nailed to a cross. And yet he simply believed. And Jesus says, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Never been water baptized. Nothing. God saves everybody the same way, faith alone. When you believe it, you're saved. See, here's the cross. All those people in the Old Testament were saved looking forward to the cross. We're saved looking back to the cross. But it's the cross. It's what Christ did on the cross. He paid for my sins. And when I believe it, he puts that payment that he made for me to my account. I go to heaven because in God's eyes, Yankee Arnold died on that cross and paid for his own sins. I just didn't do it. Somebody did it in my place. But it was substitution. He did it in my, he died to pay for what I've done wrong. I should have died, but he died for me.